some of you have really grabbed a hold of the uh, hold of those signs there and really are using those well. And uh, I have to say welcome to many of you. If, if this is not your normal church home, it's good to have you here today. And for those of you that this is, many of you are wearing suits, and I was kind of wondering if I was in the right place <laughs> today. It's pretty incredible how many times our lives have been changed by just a few words. Just a few words can really leave an impact in our own lives. If you think of different places and times where your life has been dramatically changed, you can actually probably see a time where a few words was the way you found out. Will you marry me? Yes? No? Let me think about it. We're coming to a time where there's a few people in our parish that are, are starting to wait for letters to come in from colleges. And you open up the letter, and you're just looking for one word. Accepted or unfortunately. Even, even in the history of the world, when our own country was created, the, the way that we proclaimed and made our identity as a nation was in just a few words. We the people. No other country had ever made themselves known in that way before. We the people. In our gospel reading today, is just a few words. Just a few words that forever changed the world. Not just the people that it involves, not just Rome, not just Jerusalem, not just Israel, but changed all of the world to where now everybody Everybody must answer, is Jesus the Christ? He is not here. He is risen. <laughs> no extra points for that. <laughs> that phrase, that phrase forever changed the world. A few years before this, we can begin to see how the world is starting to dramatically change by the entrance of Jesus into this world already. By Him coming in the form of taking on flesh. Flesh that is like ours, that looks like ours. Into a world that is ours. You see, many times when we think about the way God should be, in fact, the way we want God to be, we would prefer that He not look like us. We would prefer that He not take on flesh like ours, but rather we would want Him to be able to come into a church and parade down the aisle and look like He fits in in doing that. But when Jesus came, He came into the poverty of this world. He came into a manger. He came into where He had to lay in straw and He looked like us. He cried like us felt the hunger and the pain like us. He wept like us, laughed. The world started to shift a little bit at that time. To have the one that has said that all things are created through him come into our world and into the form of a man. But it didn't stop there it began to shift even a little bit more when it, it was the people that he decided to spend his time with. 
people that are like us or, or maybe even worse off than we are if it's hard to believe. So he walked with the prostitutes. He talked to the tax collectors. He ate with people that many of us would never do. When was the last time you ate with a prostitute? How many times have you opened up your house to an IRS agent? The world began to shift a little bit more where he started to open up the eyes, not just of those that saw themselves as righteous in their self-righteousness, but to those who clearly and desperately wanted to hear love. So he ate with them. He walked with them. He talked to them. He lived with them. And he got down on his knees and he washed their very dirty, stinky feet. And then he goes up on a cross and he died next to two of them. Even then, throughout each of those times, just little phrases began to change people's lives. To the hungry, he took fish and bread and broke it and gave it to them and said, I am the bread of life and they will never hunger again. To the one who thirsted, the woman who was going from man to man to man, who was searching and looking for something, he gave her water from a well and said, I am the living water and you will never thirst. And to those that he washed feet, he said, I am washing all of you, now go and do likewise. And to the ones that hung on other sides of him, the one he looked at and he said, today you will be with me in paradise. But just on their own, just those statements on their own can mean very little, in fact, can mean nothing until the words were said, he is not here, he is risen. What is the cross without the resurrection? What is the supper without the resurrection? What is baptism without resurrection? What is faith without resurrection? As Paul says, without it we are to be pitied, but with it, With it, we are to know that every word that he said, every action that he made to be truth. All of Jerusalem knew that the tomb was empty. He appeared to over 500 people and the writings about his resurrection were written well within the lifespan of all of those who saw it. The message spread faster than any myth could ever take hold. Why? Because he was not there. He was risen. Just look at the life of the disciples themselves. After seeing the death of their master, they ran. Some of his followers spread out, separated, going their own way and hiding. The disciples gathered together in fear and locked themselves away because of what might be out there. Until they heard the message. He's not here. He's risen. Peter leaves the room and he runs to the tomb. John runs with him. He looks in the tomb and he believes. They see the resurrected Lord and their lives are forever changed as the world is forever changed. And they go out. 
They go out giving that message. Not that it was going to make them any sort of money. Not that it was going to bring them any sort of glory. Not that they would be remembered for all their wonderful things. Because how is it that we really remember doubting Thomas and Peter? But because he was not there, he was risen. They actually went out knowing that it would mean their death. Why? Because he wasn't there. He was risen. And forever the world has been changed. Death met its end. The sting of death could not be felt. But rather we know life now. Not just in our future, but right now. That knowing Jesus as the Christ and hearing the words, He is not there, but He is risen, leads to every part of our life. We are no longer defined by the sins of our past. Why? Because He was not there. He is risen. We are no longer people who are shackled to our identities of work, to our identities of failure and success. Why? Because He was not there. He is risen. The power of the resurrection goes out into our life. It has changed the world and it has changed us. There's a story of a young woman that my wife and I knew. She was going through the same thing that we were going through as we were expecting our daughter. And whereas our daughter was able to be born, hers was not. She was never a religious person, always left to her own. In fact, even after the tragedy itself, she still was left to her own. Two weeks later, knowing that they had to figure out what to do and plan a memorial, she went into a church because that's what you do. She sat, actually had to sit in the aisle because it was a Sunday like this. She heard a message. She can't really remember it. She can't really even remember the songs or, or even the readings of any sort. But she came back. She started to plan the funeral for her own daughter. And as she was hearing the words of the resurrection, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. She started to have hope. The grief was still there, the mourning was still there, but she started to have hope. Not just for her baby, but for herself. Death is something that was outside of her, uncontrollable, something she couldn't stop, something all of us cannot stop. Only the one who has created all things can stop it. And so she began to pray. She began to hear the words of Jesus. 
And yesterday, during the Easter vigil, she was baptized. She doesn't understand all things. She doesn't, she doesn't know how all things work. But she knows in the resurrection of Christ, she has hope. The world has forever been changed by the words, He is not here, He is arisen. That was there. That was the time. That was the truth. That was pretty good. <laughs> because in the resurrection, we know that every word that was said by Christ, every movement that He made to be true, we know His death was for us. We know His resurrection was for us. We know His teaching was about us and about God. We know that He has come to declare us as people who are loved by Him and people who are living even in the face of death, even in the face of sin. And so we, as we are coming up to those times of doubt and times of struggle and times where we are even feeling the hope drained from us and we ask ourselves, what kind of God would this be? What kind of God would leave me on my own to go that way? The kind of God who said that he will always be with you, showing you a way. What kind of God would leave me to hunger and to thirst? The kind of God who has promised me the satisfaction of the bread of life and the living water. What kind of God would it be that would allow me to continue in this sin and not just rip me out of it and make me perfect now? The kind of God who has given me forgiveness in all things, redefining me not as a bad father or as a bad husband or as a great worker, but as one who is loved by Him. What kind of God would allow such death to enter into this world and to remain here? The kind of God who has defeated it by resurrection. He is not here, but He is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Amen.